thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is an outspoken blogger, recipe developer, and published author. She's the creator of the VIP Clubhouse, an awesome membership program for those wanting to live a happier, healthier, plant-based life. She's passionate about delicious, healthy eating and living a life that's both cruelty and chemical-free. She's also the furry dog mama to two canine darlings of the social media scene, the beautiful Hank and Holly. And yes, they have their own recipe book too. Recently, she's launched her own range of vegan lipsticks, which are palm oil free and simply divine. You may know her as Veggie Head, or you may have seen her brand Dusk by Adele. Please welcome to Shiny Healthy You, the beautiful and bodacious Adele McConnell. Woo! Hello, hello. How are you today, Jules? I'm awesome. How are you? Um, good. Thank you for that beautiful intro. That was amazing. It's the best intro I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you borrow it, hon. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's no secret that I love chatting with you. It's always awesome. So We do I'm have so- a good laugh, don't we? We always have fun. We do. So I'm so stoked that you've joined us here today. Thank you. Thank you. Adele, for those who don't know you very well, how did you become so passionate about healthy living? Where did it all start for you? Yeah, it um, it's a, probably goes back to when I was really, really young and I grew up with parents who were quite experimental in the kitchen. They were always making us different foods and exciting things and I was never a meat eater. It just never appealed to me. And I remember being young and my mum would say, come on, Adele, you know, just have a little bit of chicken or a little bit of tuna. And it just never appealed to me. And I wasn't a fussy child. It wasn't about fussiness for me. Um, you know, I would eat champignon mushrooms out of a tin. And I mean, to this, uh, to this day, I don't know how I did that because I would not <laughs> eat champignon mushrooms. At, I won't touch them now. But at the time when I was a little kid, I would eat them out of the tin. So it was um, it was one of those things that I think I just sort of grew into myself and my voice. And I remember being, you know, 15 or 16 and coming down the stairs, going to sit at the dinner table and mum had, um, I don't even remember what she had out. It could have been lamb. It could have been pork, one or the other. And I sat there and I looked at it and I went, I can't actually eat this. And mum and dad weren't surprised. They just sort of went, yep, okay, no problem. And then mum stepped up and she started, you know, instead cooking things like, you know, she'd make me falafels or um, she would do extra veggies for me. She would try out new recipes and different soups. And it sort of just started from there. And it wasn't a big, hard thing. I know that so many families view it as this big, hard hurdle to get over, but it's really can be simple. And, you know, I've got two younger brothers, so there were five of us and mum was constantly cooking, but it wasn't like she had to cook different things for everyone. We just made it work. And then I got to, when I moved out of home, I moved out of home with my now husband. Um, He was my boyfriend at the time. We moved into a tiny little house in Clifton Hill in Melbourne. And I thought, oh, okay, now I've got to cook for myself. Let's do this. Let's see what happens. And Paul came from a house of meat eaters and they were heavy meat eaters. So he's been thrown into this home with a girl who is vegetarian, strict vegetarian, (laughs) and we're gone, okay, we've got to make this work somehow. And thankfully, he's very open to anything and he would eat all these crazy foods that I'd throw throw at him. And it really stemmed from there. And I created Veggie Head in 2008 or 2009 because I was so sick of seeing crappy vegan food or crappy vegetarian food that was filled with faux meat 
um, you know, really bad and unhealthy fats and, you know, just flavorings that don't need to be there. And I was bored with everything that I'd found. And at the time it was sort of before food blogging was a really cool thing to do. There was an Instagram. I couldn't pull inspiration from anywhere else. So I had to do it myself. And it sort of just stemmed from there. Oh my God. I just, I had shivers then when you said that faux meat thing, because I, I I did go vego for a little while in my twenties. And I remember I was filling up on like that soy protein, that TVP stuff and the, you know, that mock duck and mock chicken that you would have at restaurants that are just completely made from gluten, I think. Yeah, they're all wheat gluten. And funny, I've never had the TVP, but I know the mints that you're talking about. I think sanitariums still make it. Um, and then there's there's the faux, the faux duck, faux chicken. I have had like the fries, chicken, um, uh, schnitzels before, and they're actually not bad. But again, they're all processed and made of wheat gluten. And I stopped eating them probably three years ago um, because I sort of started to look into the ingredients and I went, no, this isn't for me. So, you know, I believe that there is a space for them in the transition phase for people, but they're not an everyday food and they shouldn't be viewed as such. You know, I know so many, unfortunately, I know so many vegans that are really unhealthy because and they label they label themselves the junk food vegans because they can get all these junk foods that are vegan friendly so they think that they're doing the right thing but all they're doing is replacing you know one lot of chemical laden and sugar laden and bad fat processed food with a vegan version of exactly the same thing so yeah they're not doing themselves any favors it's interesting that's a really good point you bring up actually about the junk food vegan diet yep. because that if you have a look, things like canola oil is yep. vegan or processed refined white flour is mm-hmm. vegan and cane sugar, white cane sugar is vegan. There's so many things that are vegan, but it doesn't necessarily mean they've got any health properties whatsoever. Exactly. And that it blows my mind. And I, I, know, I get where people are coming from, especially when they're first transitioning. They get excited. They want to try all these new snacks, all these, you know, great vegan things. And there are so many things on the market now that never used to be before. And I look at even um, the fake cheeses. So there's a fake cheese on the market that um, it started out in America. We can now get it here in Australia. And I won't mention it by name, but it is shredded cheddar cheese. Now, I looked at the ingredients of it and I had to put it back on the shelf. I thought, I can't. In the fridge, I thought I cannot eat this. There was a whole lot of chemicals, a whole lot of numbers. Yeah, it's dairy free, but what health benefits does it have? Zero. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big thing for me to get rid of all of that and go, I'm not interested in this way of living. This is not the food that I want to be consuming or cooking for my family. Yeah, it's not real food either. It's not real food. And to be honest, if you're going to eat that, fake cheese you might as well go and eat real cheese like this is the thing there's you know you can look at things from i believe the you know the animal cruelty side of things the environmental benefits or the health benefits and i really think that when you're coming from a place of looking at all three of those pillars you can meet somewhere healthily in the middle but when you're looking at things purely from an animal cruelty side of things then you're not going to be getting the health benefits. You know, when you're choosing things that are cruelty-free, nine times out of ten, the food is junk. If you're looking at things from an environmental perspective, then you're not going to be choosing the right foods. It's, It's a very interesting cycle and I see it a lot online. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you talk a little bit about those pillars and you've managed to pull it together in a really realistic way, I think. You've got quite a relaxed philosophy when it comes to healthy eating 
and and you have so many real foods and so many abundant, delicious flavors. How did you learn to cook? Where did you learn to cook? Because I know you've got some amazing like Southeast Asian flavors in your food and Indian flavors and you draw on so much. Where did you learn this? My parents were really, really hands-on in the kitchen and I lived in Germany when I was when I was younger. I lived in Germany with my parents. It was just us three. And, you know, mum used to always say that my dad would have these big cookouts with the German neighbours. So they would have competitions and once a week they would do this whole thing where I can I can outcook you and they'd be making these different things and cooking up a storm. And my love of food, I think, has led me to being able to cook. And I always say that anyone can cook as long as they can read a recipe. But it really also comes from the fact that you've got to love the food that you're cooking. You've got to be in love with produce. You have to look at something and be inspired by it. And for me, it really comes down to I need to eat and I'm not going to eat rubbish food. I want to eat really good food and I'm going to cook good food. It also comes for me that, you know, I live in Melbourne and I grew up in Melbourne and there is an abundance of incredible restaurants and cafes and eateries all around and we're so spoiled for choice. And, you know, for me, it's that whole, I think I can do better than these guys. So I do and I make it myself at home and I do better. So I think it's a bit of a a competition within myself to outdo myself all the time. But it also comes down to the fact that I don't want to be wasting my time eating something that's not going to be great for my health and not going to be great for the environment. And it's not going to taste good. And I really know from firsthand experience what good food can do um, in, in your life. And for me to be able to pretty much convert my husband, we call him, we laugh and we call him a freegan he's a, a, <laughs> or a flexitarian, you know. So he's a, flexitar- a flexible vegetarian or a flexible vegan. He's, he's pretty chewed out. So we just sort of have a giggle about it. And at home, he eats everything I eat and there's never a single complaint. He doesn't necessarily like lentils because they sort of make him go to the toilet. Um, <laughs> but everything else, everything else, he's really, really happy to eat. Now, I wouldn't be happy serving him something that he wouldn't like because I wouldn't like to eat that either, if that makes sense. So, you know, for me, that's sort of, I guess, where the basis of my inspiration comes from. And then, you know, it's also come from years I spent a lot of time in Thailand and I spent time with Thai chefs in actual restaurants learning from them. I... Um, learned Indian food from an Indian family that I was very close with and actually learned how to cook everything from scratch the Indian way, not just the paste way that we, you know, get these packet and jar spices and pastes pre-made. Everything is done from scratch. Um, You know, so I've spent a lot of time and I just absorb this information. It comes very easily to me. And then there's also a level of intuition when it comes to my cooking. And my my last lot of workshops that I did all around Australia were intuitive cooking workshops. So I teach people how to really tap into their intuition of what their body's telling them they need and how to translate that into food that their whole family will love. I love how you speak about intuitive cooking as well because I think it's great that you can read a recipe but sometimes you need to know like those strawberries are stronger or not as strong or those tomatoes are not as strong tasting as they might normally be or the spices you get might be different to the spices that the recipe creator used. So sometimes you need to get in there and taste and smell, don't you, and make little adjustments along the way. Absolutely. You know, it's just when you are cooking as well, you know, people forget that if they're adding all the spices and salt at the start, say if you're making a big pot of soup, if you're adding everything at the start, by the end, those flavors 
would have either intensified, but most likely they've actually watered down so and, and you know, cooked away. So you need to be tasting and you need to be adding and it's easier to add and add little bits and little bits as you go rather than overwhelm the entire dish at the end. So I'm very much a big believer of add a little bit because you can't take anything away. So just adding little bits as you go, seasoning and tasting, seasoning and tasting. It's a really beautiful way to cook and it gets you, I guess, it gets you dirty in the kitchen. You really want to be hands-on. You want to be... Um, you know, with that dish 100% and giving it all of your attention. I love that. Mindful yeah. cooking. I love it. It is totally mindful. Absolutely. And I even know if I'm stressed out, if I'm angry, if something bad has happened and I'm not feeling great, it will reflect in my food. I'm a big believer of, you know, adding love and gratitude and happiness into your meals and it absolutely reflects that if i'm relaxed if i'm having fun if i'm cooking if i'm um really loving the produce that i've got my hands on that day or whatever my my dish again will reflect that now that all sounds well and good mate but (laughs) but i can see people listening to this just shaking their head going she's got too much time on her hands I can't do that. I'm time poor. What the hell am I going to do? I can't be with the dish. Now, I know you're really busy. So take me through what what are your go-to healthy dishes? How do you do all this with a limited amount of time? Yeah, and look, my time my time is limited and time is precious. It is our most precious commodity. So I don't like to waste a single second of the day. And, you know, for me, it comes to sort of 6 o'clock and I'm standing there going, I'm starving, what am I going to eat? So what I'll do is I'll see what produce. First, I'll go to my produce and I'll say, okay, I've got uh, broccoli, zucchini, kale, and this is, okay, this is what I made for dinner last night. I had potato, broccoli, zucchini, kale, and onion. And I thought, what am I going to make with this? And I stood there and thought, I'm going to make a beautiful soup. And in wintertime in Melbourne, it's cold and we're not even at really wintertime yet. So <laughs> soup, is, soup is really one of my main go-tos and it's so simple. So I sautéed up my onion in a beautiful olive oil, sautéed up my onion. Then I added my potato and my zucchini, my broccoli, and I just sort of stirred everything around, coating it all in those flavours. Then I added... Oh, I'm talking about a whole head of kale. It was about five cups of kale. I love kale. Love I added it. all of this kale. Then I topped it up with some water. Then I put in some tinned tomatoes. I buy organic BPA-free tinned tomatoes uh, because, you know, if I can't get fresh tomatoes, I'm going to have to use something else. So I added two tins of tomatoes and then I added some Dupuis lentils. So it's the French green, tiny, tiny green lentils. I added a whole cup of those and I bought everything to a simmer. Then what I did is I tasted. So I added some salt. I added some smoked paprika, which brings this beautiful depth into your cooking. I love it. I use it in everything. I added in some turmeric, I added in some rosemary, I added in a whole lot of dried herbs. Again, let it let it come to a simmer and then I added in some beautiful gluten-free shell pasta. And, you know, within 45 minutes, my dinner was ready and it's easy because I can walk away. And I mean, I've got a Thermomix. I love my Thermomix, but to me, it doesn't have the same level of control that you can have when you're cooking something in a pot. So I can then walk away. I can come back to my computer. I can finish off some work. I can, you know, put some, um, you know, package, package up some lipsticks for sending out the next day. There's all this time that I can do these things in while my dinner's simmering away. And then I come back, I eat my dinner and it's done. So it doesn't necessarily need to be, you need to be standing over your food every five minutes. And I love dishes that I can just cook. I can, you know, whip together and then walk away, then come back in an hour when it's ready. The same goes for things like like curry. So you can make like a beautiful red lentil dal. You can make a big chickpea or kidney bean curry. Doing everything from scratch 
doesn't take that long. You add in your herbs, your spices, you heat everything up, you add your veggies, your beans, then you walk away and you come back an hour later and you've got a beautiful dish. And, you know, for me, they're sort of my go-tos. Um, when it's warmer, I love roasting vegetables and I will roast tray after tray and tray of vegetables so I've got the, enough for the next couple of meals. Um, so I do, you know, lots of roasted veggies and just thinking ahead. So going, okay, I'm making six trays of vegetables. I've got pumpkin, sweet potato, potato, carrot, purple carrot, uh, broccoli, br- Brussels sprouts, whatever I'm cooking and making sure that then I've got enough for the next day and then I can whip it into like a beautiful big green salad or a quinoa salad. Anything like that is easy and it it can all be done and it is totally achievable. And I make enough. I don't make enough just for two people. I make enough for usually six to eight because I know we can eat it for the next couple of days. And my dogs eat it as well. So, (laughs) yeah, I make a lot. I make a lot of food. (laughs) Um, I was going to mention your beautiful dogs as well because you know I'm their biggest fan. You do that and they love you too. (laughs) I know. Hank and Holly are just, they're so beautiful. And they're rescue dogs, aren't they? They are, yes. So I've always adopted my dogs. Um, Our first dog that we adopted was Charlie and she died two years ago. She had liver cancer Um, and we adopted her and it just changed my life basically it just opened up this whole level of love and understanding that I didn't really know existed and when I adopted her it just it blew my mind I'd always I'd always loved you know going you know to the RSPCA Facebook pages and I'd always seen cruelty to animals and especially dogs and hated it um, but it wasn't until I actually adopted one that I understood the ramifications behind the whole puppy mill and backyard breeding problem so we adopted her and we, then not long after her we adopted Hank who's a four now four-year-old golden retriever and he's absolutely beautiful he's sleeping beside me and when Charlie died um, sadly two years ago we were all miserable and I sat there one day and thought I can't I can't not love another dog and I can't not invite another dog into my home to share my love um you know Charlie wouldn't have wanted that so I saw Holly actually online I saw her on a Facebook page and she was deaf well she is deaf um so she was born deaf and she was actually going to be shot when they found out she was deaf yeah yeah because um they bred her to be a hunting dog and I went, no, and she's an Irish wolfhound cross. So when we adopted her, she was 15 kilos and she was five months old. She didn't grow as big as what we thought. I think she might have been the runt. She's 27 or 28 kilos now and she's just hilarious. She's two years old. She has us <laughs> in tears of laughter all the time. So, yeah, I'm a very passionate Adopt Don't Shop, Adopt, Don't Shop supporter and dog lover. I'd have 100 if I could. <laughs> If I could, I'd have a hundred dogs. <laughs> I think isn't that our retirement plan? Yes. You, me, a bunch you of mean. acreage, and yes, yeah, and lots of nice food. <laughs> we can be you're, the crazy dog ladies. You're on. You're on. Love All right. It. Well, now that we've got our retirement plan, you better That's tell all. me what we're going to feed these dogs because I know that um, you know what you feed your dogs can be a little bit controversial sometimes. So I love to hear your take on dog food, and I know you've got a little recipe book as well. I do and I. It's so funny how the way the universe works. When we adopted Charlie, I started walking her um, at a local dog park and I was very, I was a very nervous owner. I still to this day am quite anxious. I don't want anything to happen to my dog, so I'm constantly worried about them. Like, what's going to happen? And I was walking her on her lead and all these other dogs were off the lead and they were all running around and this dog came up to us. She was a boxer. And we sort of were, were patting her and Charlie and, and Augustine, her name was, were sort of sniffing each other and sorting each other out. Then the owner came up to me and his name was Fevo. 
And Fivo was a huge dog lover like me. And he said to me, oh, you know, I'm actually starting this business um, for dog supplements. You know, do you guys want to be taste testers? I was like, yeah, absolutely. At the time when I'd adopted her, I'd taken Charlie to the vet and they told me to buy Hill's Science Diet. Now, it's dry kibble. It was the best or what I thought was the best. It was the most expensive, so it had to be the best, right? Yep. <laughs> and I'm there and I'm, I'm talking to this guy and he's telling me, you know, oh, you know, I feed my dog homemade food. And I went, oh, that makes sense. We'd always fed our dog's table scraps growing up mixed in with dry kibble, but I'd never thought of feeding them an entirely human diet. And it appealed to me. And I said, this is great. Give me some supplements when you're ready. I want to try them. So he came up with this powder and it was barley grass, turmeric, chia seeds, wheatgrass, a whole lot of great supplements for dogs. And I started giving it to Charlie and noticing a really big difference in her coat, which was she, she was black. So it was this beautiful black shiny coat came through and her breath started to smell better and her her droppings were quite firm. You know, they, were, they weren't loose anymore, which is what was happening when I was giving her the heels science diet. And it was there that I went, okay, I'm going to listen to this guy. And he basically guided me through cooking dog food from scratch. And then I started exploring homeopathic diets and homeopathic vets. And I would go and see um, our local vet who was a homeopath and he got he saw her and he goes, well, what are you feeding her? And I told him, he said, that's amazing because I recommend everyone feed their dog homemade food. And I went, wow, I'm on the right track. So it was funny. It was just sort of one step would lead to the other. And I fed Charlie, well, we had her for probably uh, 18 months before we adopted Hank. Then Hank came along and he had a whole lot of skin problems, hot spots, um, I guess, which is sort of like a doggy eczema. It's a yeast infection that grows on the skin. So he had a whole lot of inflammation and hip problems and joint problems. And I went, right, I need to fix this. So straight away, I took him off everything that he was on. When we adopted him, he was one years old and we just took him off everything and I started feeding him everything from scratch. And I put it out there online. I sort of said, you know, I'd post photos of my dogs and people would go, wow, you know, what do you feed them? And I would tell them and I'd I'd get death threats. I got someone, someone say to me once, you know, you're killing your dogs by feeding them homemade dog food. You know, you you got totally trolled. I remember that. It was really upsetting. It was. And, you know, for me, I was just like, you know what? The proof is in the pudding. My dogs are healthy. You know, Charlie, unfortunately, was well, she was four when we adopted her and she had a very, very tough life and that's why she, she adopted, why we adopted her and she sort of adopted us too. But she, um, you know, had advanced liver cancer and it was too late by the time we found out. And I 100% believe that she would have died a lot earlier on if I hadn't have been giving her this food. The diet that I had her on, organic food, filtered water, supplements, and so much love really, really, you know, contributed to her longer lifespan. Um, You know, and I want that for all dogs. You know, we need to be focusing on longevity. It's not normal for a dog to be dying at eight to 10 years old. Dogs should be living to 20, 30 years old. 30 is the, you know, the oldest dog in the world has just died. He was 30. That was in Uh, Melbourne, wasn't it? it It was in country Victoria. Yeah, he was a cattle dog. Um, so, you know, we need to be now, instead of focusing on, um, you know, all these other things with dogs, we need to be focusing on longevity and how can we get them to live that long life that they're supposed to by taking away the chemicals in their diet. If you're feeding your dog dried dog food like kibble or canned dog food, it's basically junk food. Imagine if you were eating a bag of chips for breakfast, lunch and dinner or breakfast and dinner 
Every single day your entire life, that's exactly what we're doing to our dogs if you're feeding them dry dog food. So when you take away that crap and start putting the good stuff in, I'm talking sweet potato, zucchini, beetroot is amazing for dogs. Kale stems, nothing needs to be thrown out either. And a lot of a lot of the stuff that my dogs get, like I make them up green and red lentils with a whole lot of different vegetables. I don't feed them rice. They don't get any grains, but I feed them all vegetables, lentils, and then they get sardines or tuna, depending on what Hank's skin is telling me. So he, he needs those fatty acids. It's very important for me to maintain that balance in his skin. Um, so they get either tuna or sardines, and I buy, again, the best I can buy. Um, and I buy them organic chicken necks or chicken frames. And I buy them in bulk. They get stored in my freezer, and then they eat them a couple of times a week. And I went to the vet last week for Hank's yearly checkup for his arthritis, and she said he's got the best teeth of any four-year-old dog she's ever seen. Um, and if you look at your dog's teeth, if they're covered with plaque, that's from dry dog food. My dogs don't have any plaque on their teeth. Wow, that's amazing. Like they literally, I've never had to worry about my dog's teeth. I check them every single day. They, know, they do not have a skerrick of plaque on them. It's amazing. It blows my mind when I see dogs with plaque on their teeth. That is from dry dog food. Wow. Yep. <laughs> I can talk about it all day, please. I know, I know, but we, I do want to talk about a couple of other things as yeah. well. But just, just before we move on, uh, it's really obvious how passionate you are about animals and about stopping animal cruelty, yet you don't pitch yourself as being vegan or hardcore vegan, 100% vegan. You're really – you're living in that space between. And I'd, I'd just like to hear a little bit more about your philosophy on – you know, where you stand with, with the food you eat and, and why you don't label yourself as vegan. Absolutely. I, I really believe in balance. And, you know, for me, the word vegan comes up, up with a whole lot of negative connotations from when I was younger. Um, you know, I was teased mercilessly and berated by the vegan community in Melbourne because I was married to a non-vegan man. And oh my I, God, the shame. <laughs> oh, I know, right? It's like the worst thing in the whole entire world. So I, you know, I met these people and I thought, yeah, I found my people. I found this group of awesome vegans. I can be their friend. I can learn from them. We can help each other. We can support each other. I literally had known these people for a month. I went to a picnic. There was about 30 people there and I, I got into an argument with this woman who said to me, how can you be married to someone who's not a vegan? And I went, well, I love him. Like there's no, I don't think it needs to be. It's not as black and white as that. He eats what I eat at home. And then when he goes out with his, with his mates, with his friends, he'll have like a steak or a chicken parmigiana. But 95% of the time, he's a vegan at home like me. And they didn't understand that. And I was attacked mercilessly. And I just got up and left. I, I left in tears. And from that day forward, I went, I will never, ever berate anyone for their choices. I will never push my beliefs on anyone else unless they want it. And for me, it's all about gentle education. And I really believe you have to be the best walking and talking advertisement for the life that you lead, no matter what that is. So if I can be the best walking and talking advertisement for the lifestyle I lead, which is about being compassionate, but not just to animals, but to ourselves and to others, which is unfortunately where many of the vegans fall short. They're compassionate towards the animal plight, but then when it comes to humans or themselves, they don't get it and there's no compassion there. There's also, you know, for me, it's about balance and it's about being, well, how can I make sure that every aspect of my life is in balance? Okay, I work really hard, but then I need to rest hard as well. 
I eat really clean and healthy food and then that occasionally I need to have that little bit of a blowout to balance me out. I really believe in balance and conscious choice and when you are doing something, when you're, when you're making something, when you're creating something, if you can do it from a conscious space and go, I can make these choices today. I am mindful of the choices that I'm making and I'm going to make the best ones. Instead of having, you know, cheese, I'm going to have some cashew cheese. Instead of having, you know, instead of cooking with butter, I'll cook with olive oil or coconut oil. Instead of, you know, buying processed white bread, I'm going to buy some really slow fermented sourdough bread that's really good for me and I'm going to have one slice instead of six slices of crappy white bread. So for me, it's just about making decisions in every moment and I want people to know that everyone's body is different. We're not all the same and not everyone's situation is going to be the same either. You need to do what's right for you and if you are doing what's right for you and if you are making those choices from a place of love, compassion and balance, then your world around you will change and it will reflect that as well. And you'll find yourself making better and better choices each day. And that's that's where I come from. <laughs> and that's why I love you because you, you really, you uh, feed into me that, utopian ideal I've got of that all the paleo people and the vegan people and all the people in between can all sit down together and bond over raw cake and like you give me hope that 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 happens and that can happen because you and I have shared meals and we've sat together and had lunch and I'm not sitting there convincing you that you should eat a steak and you're not sitting there convincing me that I shouldn't order the chicken we just get along and and the less judgment I think that that is thrust out there the better because there is there's a diet out there for everyone but it's not going to be the same for everyone, is it? No, and it doesn't need to be the same for anyone. You know, I think I really think that any move towards eating more sustainable food, better food, organic food, you know, meat-free Mondays has changed the entire world. You know, meat, hashtag meat-free Mondays was just this crazy idea that happened and people are going, oh, I can eat meat free on a Monday. This is easy. And I think that any move towards eating more vegetables, I'm very much a believer of adding instead of taking away. If you can add more vegetables, then you're going to be taking away some other things that don't need to be in your diet and you're not even going to realize it because there's going to be no space for the bad stuff. There's just going to be lots and lots of veggies or lots of fruit or beautiful whole grains or whatever it is. It's easy and it can be done. It's totally achievable. That's it. We can have veggies in common and raw yes. cake. Yes, <laughs> and raw, so much, so much raw cake. <laughs> Adele, we can't go without having a chat about your beauty industry uh, experience and where that's led you as well. I know that you've got an amazing new range of lipsticks out called okay. Dusk by Adele, and they're freaking amazing. They're so gorgeous. Thank you. Um, I know they're free from a lot of stuff. Um, they are. Yeah. They are. Um, Tell definitely. me about that. I am an ex-beauty therapist. I when I when I finished my nursing, I went straight into beauty therapy and I focused on dermal therapies because skin is something that I've been passionate about since my teenage years. And at the time, there was no internet. I had to read like my dollies and my my Cosmo and my Clio, and I'd read anything I could get my hands on about skin. And I went into the beauty industry with an expectation of how it was, and it turned out that it was really just pushing products and selling chemical-laden crap to people. And it went against everything that I wanted for myself and everything that I believed in. And it got to a point where I was lasering a woman with um, laser hair removal, so I was lasering her. And I 
started to breathe in. We wore masks, but something had happened and I was breathing in this air and I went, oh, my God, I feel like I'm smoking a cigarette. And I'm not, I'm, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Um, I'm very much an avid non-smoker and that's one of my big things. But I just I breathed in this stuff and went, oh, that's horrendous. And I started coughing and I went, I can't do this. This is not feeling good anymore. So I started to investigate, you know, different products and a different way of, you know, using beauty. And I started making my own concoctions, so my own face masks, my own oil-based cleansers, my own moisturizers, and really just started to explore the natural stuff. And I mean, I'm talking, this was 10 years ago. Now there are so many products on the market that are organic, that are chemical-free, that are handmade even, that you can get your hands on easily and quite relatively reasonably priced. But, you know, for me, when I'm looking at products, there's a whole lot of stuff that I do avoid like crazy. Anything with mineral oil, mineral oil oil in it (laughs) is a byproduct of petroleum. um, And I avoid that. It really um, creates a film. It stops the, the skin from releasing its natural toxins or anything that needs to come out. So mineral oil is one of my big no, no parabens are preservatives. They're found in so many products. They're linked to cancer, endocrine disruption and reproductive toxicity. I avoid them as well. Phthalates, um, they've been banned in a lot of countries um, because they actually disrupt endocrine disruption. They disrupt your endocrine, so that's your hormones. Um, they have been attributed to live, uh, liver, kidney, and lung damage and even cancer. Um, so that's another big one that I and, avoid. And they're spelled with a P, aren't they? Because I know yeah. it's really hard for people to find what they Phthalate. are. Phthalates. So it's P H T H A L A T E S. Anything else in terms of, you know, mercury, your lead, any hardcore fragrances I avoid because they give me headaches. So I want my products to have no fragrance or natural essential oil-based fragrance. Um, or, for, or formaldehyde, I avoid formaldehyde as well. It's a probable carcinogen. It's in a lot of uh, nail uh, polishes. Um, it's also in hair dye. So I don't color my hair. I used to when I was younger, but I don't color my hair at all. Um, it's in a lot of shampoos as well. And if formaldehyde is in anything, please avoid it. There is so much on the market that you can easily and cheaply buy that isn't doesn't contain any of these things. And, you know, coconut oil, as you know, Jules, is one of my favorites because I use it as a cleanser. I use it as a hair mask. I use it to massage into my cuticles. I use it um, as a moisturizer. I use it as a deodorant and a toothpaste. You know, coconut oil, you can do all of those things with one product and it's one ingredient. So it just blows my mind that more people aren't doing it. You got me onto oil cleansing. I'm doing it now. And your skin looks great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it does. I can see it on Skype. It looks beautiful. <laughs> now that I'm Woo-hoo. 40, I, 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 as soon as I got to around 39, I thought, I really should start looking after my skin. Is it too late? But, yeah, you got me onto oil cleansing. It's it's phenomenal. Like the first sort of seven to ten days, it goes kind of a bit, you know, a bit uh, up and down. So a few spots come out and whatnot. But then, yeah. like, it just Please starts – it glows. It just starts glowing. And it's like – with coconut oil. Like I have that in my pantry. Yeah. I keep some in my pantry. I keep some in the bathroom. It's just phenomenal. And, you know, this is this is where people give up. They give up at that seven or ten day mark. They go, oh, I've broken out. But what you don't realize is that your skin has to rebalance itself after all the years of using things like Cetaphil and Proactive and all this other crap that people are buying. And unfortunately, teenagers, like teenagers, they're still peddling this stuff to teenagers. Um, you know, all of these chemicals that we're putting on our skin, 
They need to, your skin needs to balance itself out and find its own regulatory patterns again. So it's a really interesting um, thing to see people going through this massive shift when now we're starting to wake up to the dangers and big companies are catching on as well. Anything though that you can buy from a supermarket, I don't touch. If you can buy shampoo or conditioner or um, makeup, or don't buy it from a supermarket. It's just, you know that it's going to be cheap and nasty. Buy things online. Go to your local market. Speak to the people that are buying, that are you know making them. Buy good quality. Buy organic. Buy natural. And you can do it. This just one thing at a time. You don't need to change your entire, um, you know, bathroom cabinet. One thing at a time. When you finish your shampoo this time, guys, go and get an organic palm oil and vegan and cruelty free shampoo that doesn't have any of those those products in it you can do it you can find them there's so many out there and stick with it you just need to stick with it don't you because it you might go through a little downturn before it's like sometimes the old shampoo you're using may have had lots of silicon in it or something and so your hair might go through a little bit of a detox stage before it gets better like i said with the oil cleansing same same like my skin went through a bit of a detox stage but i stuck with it and then it started glowing so you don't you you have to stick with it yeah absolutely one thing at a time and stick with it. And you don't do it at, you know, the way I see it now is it's not necessarily the cost. You know, for me, I'll spend anything if it's a good product. But for me, it's the cost on the environment of the cheap things. So I would rather spend more and know that I'm doing my part in not tearing down palm oils, in, uh, palm oil trees, in not, you know, damaging wildlife habitats, in not attributing you know microbeads thank goodness uh i think they're just about to be banned um in australia microbeads you know those things that you cleanse your exfoliators oh my god they end up in the ocean they do they're made of plastic and you know people have been using them for years not thinking and i'm there going hey guys make if you make your own almond milk use your almond meal to cleanse your face you can use that as an exfoliator instead oh my god You you can you totally can. Oh, my God, you totally can. It's just, you know, it's there's all these little things that you can easily and, you know, simply do at home. You don't need to be using products like that. You can make them all yourself. Yep, or coffee scrubs. My husband's got a cold brew yeah. coffee business. I've yes. been stealing the coffee grounds. It's amazing. <laughs> and you're using them up. You know, they're not going to waste. Yeah. It's yep. amazing. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I could talk to you all day. This has been, yeah, always. But it's, again, as usual, Adele, it's been such an eye-opener. I've definitely got some takeaways that that I've got from this. And I really hope that all of you out there have felt inspired to go and cook beautiful things and put some beautiful things on your skin and maybe rescue a puppy. Yes, totally rescue the puppy. (laughs) No, rescue an old dog, I should say. Oh, I know. I love the seniors. They're so sweet. (laughs) Adele, thank you so very, very much for spending some time with us today. Now, before you go, you have a gorgeous website and a couple of fantastic products out there. Can you please tell our lovely listeners how to find you? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, look, I've got a couple of websites. Uh, I've probably got more than a, more than a person needs, but veggiehead.com is my main one. It's V-E-G-I-E, veggiehead.com. Um, that's where you'll find hundreds of plant-based recipes, all of my e-books. So Delicious Doggy Dishes is there. That's my dog recipe book. Um, I've got a whole bunch of different programs and 
information. I've got all of my episodes of Veggie Head TV up there. Um, that's my main website. Then I've got AdelMcConnell.com where I really talk about beauty stuff. I've got a whole lot of reviews up there as well. So AdelMcConnell.com. Um, then I've got a whole lot of other things up on um, Dusk by Adele and that's sort of my lip. That's all my lipsticks. That's where you can purchase them. And there's a whole lot of blogs up there as well that have got Lots of different fun things like how to make your own lip scrub, product um, ingredients you should be avoiding and all that sort of stuff. So that's on duskbyadel.com. Beautiful. And I'll make sure I put all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No, it's been a pleasure. We'll have to do it again. Anytime. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and hit subscribe so that you never miss a show. If you want to get your hands on some seriously kick-ass recipes and health info, head to www.julesgalloway.com and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Jules Galloway Health. Now, very soon, I will be recording my Ask the Naturopath episode. So, if you have a burning health and wellness question, please send it to hello at julesgalloway.com and you never know, I may just feature it on the show. In the meantime, look after yourself, shiny sister, and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.